Well, it's a great joy for me to be here tonight with you all and as we begin uh, the Holy Triduum. This is uh, the greatest time of our year uh, as Catholics, and uh, I'm very excited. Uh, tonight it is uh, actually prescribed, that the church actually prescribes that the priest would speak about uh, three things. Um, the institution of the priesthood, Christ established the ministerial priesthood on the night of the Last Supper, uh, along with his, his establishment of the Eucharist, of the sacrament of the Eucharist. So those are the two things that the church actually requires the priest to preach about. And then a third item is uh, service of love. And that is something that pertains to all Christians, serving one another out of love, according to the model that we see uh, in our Lord himself, who washed the feet of his disciples. And you'll see, uh, when I'm done here with the uh, homily, we're going to have uh, five uh, of our brothers and sisters come up, and we'll have some chairs here, and I'm going to wash their feet. So this is the time of the year we do that. It's a very powerful moment, and it's a sign of uh, Christ's service in love to all of us, and uh, something that we need to imitate and follow, serving one another out of love. First, though, let me talk a little bit about the priesthood. Uh, in a few weeks, there's going to be a time, uh, it's called Vocations Sunday, and I'll probably speak about the priesthood then as well. Hopefully it'll be a, you know, a little bit more higher number of younger people there. Um, and uh, hopefully that's going to, I'm going to kind of, you know, drive things home and hopefully kind of inspire some people possibly to pursue uh, the priesthood or religious life. So, um, but also tonight I'm going to speak a little bit about the priesthood. I think the number one uh, inhibition why young men would not want to become a Catholic priest is the uh, vocation of celibacy that is part and parcel to the priesthood, okay? So a lot of the guys think, well, you know, I don't know, priesthood sounds kind of cool, I like what they do, uh, but I don't know, I think, I don't know if I can really live my whole life uh, with, with giving up, uh, you know, intimate relations with a woman and uh, romantic love and marriage and children and all of it. It seems too big of a sacrifice. Um, I'm not going to do it. So this, this is probably the number one sort of inhibition um, for young guys to uh, become priests. So I'm going to speak a little bit about uh, priesthood and celibacy and in relationship to marriage. Okay. Um, apart from my vocation of the priesthood, I account, I don't think there's any, any question in my mind, I account the gift of celibacy the greatest gift that God has given to me. So apart from the gift of the priesthood, the gift of celibacy, which is really a distinct and separate gift, it's the, it's the greatest gift that God has given to me. Um, something that has uh, energized me and empowered me really for the past, I'd say, 20, uh, probably about 16 years of my life. And it has enabled me to dedicate myself wholeheartedly without any kind of wavering or doubt or whatever, uh, any, any kind of lack of commitment, just a wholehearted devotion to the kingdom of heaven, to the things of God, to prayer, and to serving my brothers and sisters out of love. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they see, well, you know, okay, I want to marry, uh, I'm not going to be a priest, you know, a lot of guys, 
And uh, actually, a desire for marriage is totally natural and good. And in fact, if you don't have a desire to marry, you're not fit material for the priesthood. Okay, ironically. So a lot of guys, young guys that I speak to about the priesthood will say to me, well, but I, you know, I like girls, I want to marry. Well, that's good. That's a prerequisite to becoming a priest, okay? You have to have these sort of natural, normal inclinations and desires to begin with, first off. And then the supernatural grace of the priesthood and the celibacy takes those natural desires for fatherhood and for romantic love and elevates them. And then, and then it's what's called uh, sublimation. So it takes those natural desires and it kind of refines them and spiritualizes them and then directs them for the good of the community. Okay, So it's actually, if you're lacking those natural inclinations and desires, it's really, you're, you shouldn't actually become a priest. That's actually a sign that you're not called a priesthood, ironically. Um, and also, too, you know, a lot of times I like to, to point out to everybody, there's a lot more in common between, you know, the actual intentional vocation to celibacy and married life and just anybody, okay? So, first of all, we've all, all Christians, uh, have to, at some point, basically say no to the desire to uh, have a romantic relationship with someone they might be attracted to. Anybody who's married, normally, maybe maybe not everybody, but it's oftentimes the case a married person is going to have to say no to someone that's outside of their marriage covenant. Okay, so we've all got to exercise this kind of a, a no, whether you're, you're totally celibate or whether you're married. There's always that exercise of no that you have to do towards someone who, for whatever reason, you can't enter into a relationship with because you've got a prior commitment. You know, whether that commitment is marriage or whether that commitment is celibacy. So every Christian's got to occasionally say no to themselves, okay? So, in a certain sense, there's not a whole ton of difference between the celibate and the married person. Another issue, too, is, you know, I think when we're younger, we kind of conceive of marriage as like, you know, we can be kind of idealistic about it and unrealistic. I mean, there are times, I'll take an example, where, you know, you really oftentimes have to be um, celibate within marriage, okay? Look at times of war, when spouses are separated for sometimes years at a time. What do, you, what do you do at that time? Okay, So both, in a certain sense, have to exercise and live, as it were, a celibate life in those, certain, in those circumstances. What happens with, you know, uh, when it comes to the actual physical relations themselves, uh, you know, we get older, there's medical problems, alienation between spouses. I mean, this is, you know, we've got to all exercise self-control and sometimes go uh, without this natural uh, activity. So... Um, this is something where I, I kind of point out where there's probably more in common between the, the intentional celibate and the married person than maybe might appear at first on the surface. Deeper than that, though, than this whole issue of self-control and, and self-denial, though, deeper than that, it, there's, it's not just about a, a no, but it's about a yes. It's about a yes. It's a deeper affirmation of love. So, of course, in married life, you love your spouse. Uh, in for the, the celibate is also called to love. So it's not just negativity and absence, but it's something positive and it's a, it's a presence. So when the celibate who's called by God, whether man or woman, is called to be celibate, they, in their kind of this, this no, the no opens up a space within the depths of their being. And there's just a moment of absence there, but it's filled. The very special presence of 
God's love, of Christ's love, very special presence of Christ himself. And just as Christ, as a celibate, loved universally everybody, the celibate starts to enter into that universal love of Jesus Christ. And uh, the, the image of Jesus as the bridegroom of the church, I'm sorry, yes, the bridegroom of the church, and the church being his bride, uh, there is a much closer, like, re- re- real parallel between that and marriage and celibacy than we might think. So it's not really just pure metaphor. There's a, there's a very deep and profound reality that the celibate priest especially, who's called to be a representative of Jesus, really starts to take upon himself a spousal role in relation to the church, okay, in imitation of Jesus Christ. And it is a, a deeply, deeply, profoundly fulfilling reality for the priest who cooperates with that grace. Now, some priests, maybe they don't fully, you know, they got into it when they were younger. I don't know what it is. Every priest has got his own journey. So sometimes the priests, you know, they kind of like, um, uh, they don't necessarily fully cooperate with the grace of celibacy. And they might even say things like, yeah, if I had the opportunity, I'd marry. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Ah, I feel bad for any priest that says that. My heart aches. Because it shows that they don't, they haven't entered into and cooperated with the grace of celibacy that God uh, has given to them. When you really cooperate with that grace, you come into a place of very deep fulfillment of spousal love for the people of God. And I can say, honestly, without any doubts in my mind, that I love each one of you. Now, I don't necessarily have, know you all personally, have a personal relationship with but I love each one of you. And uh, I, I've said this during a, a daily homily. Um, and I'll say it here with a broader crowd. If, just hypothetically speaking, I would see any one of you teetering on the, on the brink of hell or heaven, and my own personal death would be the determining factor that would send you into heaven and not hell, I would die for each one of you. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that I would do, I would do that, okay, by God's grace. I, operating by the grace of Christ, have love, a spousal love, just like a husband would die for his wife, or a wife would die for her husband, so also I would die for you because of your souls, for salvation. And uh, it's a beautiful, deep, fulfilling uh, vocation of love that is given to the celibate priest. Um, another aspect, an element that ties, dovetails into this is, I, I reflect on this quite a bit, and I really think it's the wisdom of the church. The church has arranged things such that the priest really doesn't, shouldn't have personal issues, okay? I am to take upon your personal issues, honestly. I live for your problems. I mean, really, that's no joke, okay? I shouldn't really have, I should try as much as possible of eliminating personal issues, like my financial issues, I need to really make sure I don't have any. And you guys help me out with that because all the money, you know, goes into funding the church and I live in the church. So I don't, I don't pay taxes. I don't pay, you know, uh, a mortgage. All right. Um, so ideally the priest really should not have financial issues. He shouldn't have personal issues, psychological issues. He shouldn't have marital problems because he's not married, right? Okay. He, he, maybe his parents are going to die. There's, I mean, there's going to be some personal issues. 
But for the most part, the priest is called to, as much as possible, give up personal issues, personal problems, personal life, and live completely for his people, live completely for, for the community. And when he does that, it's a really deeply fulfilling, beautiful, beautiful uh, reality. And that love that God gives to him is divine because it's universal, it's for everybody. And that is really a model that we are all really called to go down. Obviously, we've all got our personal issues, okay? But for the most part, we should do as much as we can to try to, you know, I kind of let go of my personal issues. Even my family, my spouse, my children, I love them. But really, it needs to be a school of love that's directed ultimately outward, okay? We can't be just concerned for our family, Love of family actually is meant to teach us to be able to call all people our brothers and sisters. That's where family love is ordered towards, okay? So it's not, if the, the wrong way of, of kind of capitalizing on family love is to become tribal. This is my family, you can guys go to hell, basically. You know, I mean, that could be the attitude. Some people get really prideful when it comes to their family, and there could be family conflicts, one family versus another one, all that kind of stuff. That's not what God, how he intended family love to be or spousal love to be. He intended it to be a school within which we learn how to love everybody. And sacrificing for our children and for our spouse should be a means for us to learn how to sacrifice for everybody, for all human beings. So that particular love that we have for our family members is really ordered towards and meant to reach out past the boundaries of our blood and go towards all human beings that we call all brothers all human beings are brothers and sisters, and to serve them out of love. So, and, and hopefully the priest is a model of that, of that selfless public service. So my brothers and sisters, tonight can I say I love you? This is like a renewal for me of my wedding vows, really. It's what it's like. So I love you all, and um, I want to serve you the best that I possibly can from here, and for as many years as God gives me to you. Uh, I belong to you. I am your servant, Okay. So right now we're going to do something pretty neat. I'm going to take my chasuble off, which is a symbol of, um, in a lot of ways, it's a symbol of basically uh, a priestly authority. Okay, And I'm going to kind of take it off, and I'm going to be a servant here, just like Christ was. At the Last Supper, he took his robe off, and he girded himself uh, with the clothes of the servant, essentially, and he washed the feet of his disciples. So if I could have, uh, we're going to line up some chairs. We're going to line up five chairs. We have our five people come forward.